This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So you finally bit the bullet and decided to invest some time and energy into creating some content for your company. And you pour hours into it. You pour cash into it. And once you hit publish, you kick your feet up and you think that you're done. But in reality, the work has only just started. Welcome into another episode of Cyberly. I'm your host, Blythe Brimley, and we cover B2B marketing, the attention economy, and how it all fits into the world of logistics. And in today's show, we are going to be talking about six steps to master your content distribution. And then we're going to have a couple guests on. The first guest is going to be Haley Fazio. She works behind the scenes, and she's breaking down how she approaches planning for the FreightWaves events, both live and virtual. And then we're going to be joined by Jennifer Carpus romaine She is the executive director for the TMSA, and it's a near nearly 100-year-old association, and she's going to be telling us how she is revamping the entire strategy of the association to bring it into more of a modern world. But for our first topic, let's get into six steps to mastering that content distribution, because one of the more just relative quotes that, that always sort of stuck out to me in my years of making content online is that you should spend 80% of your time on the distribution of that content and 20% of the time on the actual creation of that content. And this is the, the, the type of advice that I like to follow with my own marketing, but that 80% distribution rule more or less speaks to the energy that we put into the amount of content that we're creating. So sometimes we have a tendency to overthink, to plan to perfection of creating the content itself. And then when we publish it, we think that we're done. But in reality, we really need to be prepping the entire process of our content marketing journey in order to really maximize on the distribution side of things to make sure that people see the all of the hard work that you put into making that content in the first place. And so I often hear from a lot of different marketers on an ideal distribution plan. And actually, this segment is, is inspired by a post that I read about the modern distribution framework and how you should really focus on all of these different distribution frameworks. And I'm reading through it, and I was like, none of this applies to the world of freight. So I'm going to take those little pieces of nuggets of information from all of the different marketers that I follow and create an ideal distribution strategy for the folks that are working in freight. So let's start with step one. And that is with your content, starting with your customers and or drivers. And you need to be asking yourself, who are my best customers? Who are my most talented and high performing drivers? Are they willing to be interviewed for a story? If the answer is yes, then you have solved one of the most critical pieces of your entire content marketing journey because these are this these people are the secrets to your success from not just from making an interview with them but also the terminology and the phrases that you're going to use throughout your entire marketing journey so think your website copy your social media captions 
all of that insight that you're going to gather from those interviews with your customers and with employees and or drivers, that is going to fuel the rest of your marketing ship. So step one, start with your customers and or drivers. And if they agree to be interviewed, then that is one of the hardest parts of this process that you just solved. So moving into step two, now that you have a maybe a good list of six to 10 people, maybe even, you know, a little bit higher than that. Now that you have that list of folks that you're going to be in, that you're going to be interviewing, you want to think about it from the lens of, okay, well, how am I going to actually tackle this interview process? We've done plenty of episodes in the past, and I have a couple of those linked in the show notes on the, the, the philosophy that you want to approach whenever you are creating this content. Do you want to spend an entire day doing these interviews or do you want to spread them out? Maybe once a week, maybe once a month. Um, you could batch them all at one time, or you can choose the the stagnant approach where you, or you can, you that's not the right word to use, but you can use the approach of you can batch them all at once, or you can schedule these interviews one at a time, maybe once a week, and then you can build out from there. So recording that content with those customers and or drivers, you want to record long form video. So think about it from the lens of 30 minutes to 45 minutes. If you're lucky, try to get an hour of these customer interviews or these driver slash employee interviews, then that is that solves a lot of the issues that you will face later on when it comes to content distribution. So you want to record the long form content via video. And then the next step that you want to do is step three. You want to create the short form content for each long interview before you publish the long form content. So you have your one interview, maybe you've batched them and you have a handful of interviews that you're going to be using. And so having those five or so interviews, maybe even a dozen if you're lucky, then you have all of those in at once. And then either you or you can outsource it to a freelancer. You're going to want to edit around 10 to 15, maybe 20 social media friendly clips using that long form video. And so knowing that you can think of it from the short form video that it can be anywhere from 30 seconds to up to 10 minutes long. That's technically what qualifies as quote unquote short form video, especially on a platform like LinkedIn. Other platforms like Instagram, uh, YouTube Shorts, um, TikTok is up to three minutes long. Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts is about a minute long. Twitter is a little over two minutes, but LinkedIn is up to 10 minutes. So by watching that entire long form content, then you can go through and you can pick out where you started a really good thought or where you're, the person you're interviewing started a really good thought and where they ended it. That's your clip. And you're going to do that for the entire show. And then you're going to do that about 15 to 20 times if you're lucky. So you find them around that those sort of time frames. And then you're going to assemble all of these clips into a dedicated media folder specifically for that one show. Now, this will play an important role later on, but think of it from the lens of you're going to have different folders for all of your short form videos. Each folder ties into that long form video. That way you have it a little bit organized for future reference when it comes to your content distribution. So once you've got your short form video clips, then what you're going to do is you're going to use some software out there or you're going to hire a freelancer, probably use the software first because it does it much more quickly than say hiring somebody to just listen word for word and type things out. So you want to transcribe not only the long form video, but 
also for the short form clips. This helps you in that distribution process from the folks who are just scrolling social media and they don't have the volume up on their phone, which is an overwhelming majority of people whenever they're scrolling social media, they keep the volume on low or not at all. And so that's where captions and transcribing your episodes really plays a powerful role because if they're scrolling and they don't see those captions, then they're more likely just going to keep on scrolling and they're not going to see, they're not going to stop and see what you have to say. So transcribe the first long form video and also the short form video. And then using that transcription, then you can, you yourself, or you can hire a copy editor to go through and take that transcription because if you're recording up to an hour long and you have a transcription for that one episode, that is a lot of content. And so what you want to do is you want to either edit this yourself for clarity, for flow. You don't want, the last thing you want is to take a giant block of text and just post it because you're going to take this transcription and then you're going to post it into your blog as a draft. You're not going to publish it live yet. So if you look at it from that perspective, then you have this long sort of text block and you're using a copy editor or a copywriter. They're going to break it up so that it's scannable, so that you have different headlines. Maybe you have different pull quotes and you're going to treat it like a regular blog post article, except where you don't actually have to write it. So you're just transcribing the content that was already created, but you're doing so in a way that makes it super easy on the reader whenever they eventually go and read this blog post that they can actually read it without feeling overwhelmed. Because I think we've all had those moments where we've arrived on or we've seen a huge block of text and it's like, I'm not reading all of that. So keep that in mind whenever you're transcribing your different, not just the clips, because the clips are, are obviously going to be shorter. So they're not going to be that intimidating as far as uh, the time required to read it. But a blog post might look intimidating. It absolutely will look intimidating. If you just have a large block of text, you need to be able to spread it out. You need to make sure that it's scannable, add some bolding, add some different fonts within it. So just keep that in mind from a blog post perspective. So using that transcription, you're going to load it into a blog post, keep it as a draft. Bonus points if you can take that same video and strip out the audio, and then you're going to use that audio as a podcast episode. So that's sort of the, if you watch a lot of my content, um, for example, I start off with the Cyberly show, and then I will take, and, I'll, and the audio will be stripped from this show, and it will be uploaded to the Cyberly podcast feed. So it's starting out with video. This allows me to have plenty of room to create video clips and video segments, but I'm still uploading the podcast to the podcast feed. So we have, we're kind of double dipping on the same content. Don't, next step, don't forget images. That is one of the more important pieces, especially because you have your transcription, you have your long form content, and then move into the images part of it. So if you're looking through the transcription, you likely notice a few different quotes that seem appealing that you think might be eye-catching to the audience during the distribution phase. So if you have a really good quote that you think your audience might really love to see or really like to read, maybe they find it motivational or educational, then you can take those quotes and you can add them to different imagery. Canva is a graph, I don't want to say like a graphic design tool, but it helps folks who aren't graphic designers. It helps you with creating 
graphics that look good to share online. So you're going to want to create two different sets of images. Your one image is strictly for the blog post, which is typically like the size of a video. So it's more horizontal instead of vertical. Then there's the other size image, which is more of the square friendly. So one-to-one is that is, is how that's phrased. So the one-to-one format is commonly seen on Instagram, LinkedIn, um, a lot of times Twitter too, but you can use the horizontal images that are on Twitter as well. You can really use horizontal images anywhere, but they just look better if you have that same image and it's just in a one-to-one format because you want to think of your phone as sort of like digital real estate. So if somebody is scrolling on your phone and that image takes up the entire screen, then that is the digital real estate that you want to be taking up because then nothing else is really visible in that screen. So keep that in mind when you're making these images. You make them once in Canva and they have this awesome sort of resize tool that you can resize it into any other shape. It's the same exact image and you're just resizing it for other platforms to make it friendlier for the platform that you're eventually going to send your content to. So don't forget the images. And the reason you want to do all these things in the long form is because all of these things, all of the short form video, the transcriptions, the images, all of these play a role in the actual distribution process. But next step, step four, now you're ready for the actual uploading of your content. So upload the video to YouTube, upload it to a podcast player is optional. Then you want to take that embed code that's on the YouTube video Practically 99% of all videos that are uploaded to YouTube allow you to copy an embed code and paste it into the blog post. So you have your transcription, you have your images, and you're going to then paste all of that into a blog post. You're going to get the embed code from the YouTube video, and you're also going to paste it in that same blog post. So now, only now is the time that you're ready to hit publish. So not don't publish all the blog posts at once. Remember, we talked about spreading out these interviews so that they're they're spread out over time. And so you're not publishing 15 interviews within one week because they're all going to get lost in the shuffle. So publish once a week, maybe twice a week for the ambitious, and just make sure that you have that cadence set in place ahead of time. And you have all of these different parameters, all of, all of these different qualifications set up in the actual blog post bonus points too. If you have a CTA on the blog post, that says something like, you know, subscribe to our email newsletter to get more updates like this, follow us on social media, uh, request a quote, apply to work with us, apply to become a driver. Um, all of those things can be really beneficial at the bottom of a blog post or, you know, spread out within the blog post itself to really hammer home of the point of why you're creating content is to get people to a digest it and then B be able to share it. And then see, take action on that post whenever they're ready to either join your company, apply, or check out more of your work by subscribing or by following. So now that you've hit upload, you've hit publish on the blog post, now is the time for distribution. This is step five. It took us four steps to get here, but here we are. What you want to do now is you want to send a plain text email to all of your subscribers. Maybe you have a carrier list, maybe you have a customer list, and you want to send them in a plain text email because your email, if it's the fancy graphics and all of that, all of the the things that, you know, make a pretty email, what you want to do is avoid all of that. I know you love your pretty emails, but 
plain text emails are going to make it through to the overwhelming majority of your subscribers because think about everybody working from home right now. There's a lot of, you know, IT infrastructure that has been updated over the last couple of years in order to accommodate, you know, the influx of cyber attacks and the influx of cybersecurity issues. And so for a lot of folks, those emails don't make it through the filters. Even like Gmail, for example, has a promotional tab and a lot of the different, um, depending on if you're on a Google app or just regular Gmail for the free version, they have promotional tabs, they have update tabs. You want to make sure that your email doesn't make it into the promotional tab or worse, gets marked as spam. So by sending as a plain text email, you're just linking in the email, hey, this is our latest episode that dropped, you're gonna learn X, Y, Z. And then you're going to link to it, that episode, link to that blog post that you just spent all that time creating, link to it in that email. And then that way, the email users that you've already, you already know that they're interested in your company because they signed up to join that list. So give them first access, give them first rights to enjoy this new content that hopefully they will find valuable because it's customers that are just like them, it's drivers or employees that they may resonate with. And so from, from that perspective, you're, you're giving them the high quality content that you spend a lot of time creating and you're giving them access first. Now that next step as far as distribution is concerned is you want to send a personalized email to the person that was actually interviewed during that entire process. And then remember that folder that we talked about with all the short form videos? That's where you want to send the short form video link to a folder. Maybe it's a Google Drive folder or a Dropbox folder. You want to link to that folder, that specific one, not interviews where they're not in it, but their specific interview. So then that way they can take those images that you created and those short form video clips and the blog post link and they have it all and they can share to all of their different social media platforms. They can share it in their Slack channel or any other really place that they're hanging out or congregating online. You're giving them the tools to share your content and they're more likely to do it if they have access to all of their different just sort of good moments from that interview people are egotistical. They want to share their moments that they've had online. And, they, and especially if you do it for them, if you make it super easy for them, then they'll share it with their audience. They'll share it with their network. And then that exposes your content and your business to other folks within their network as well. So send a personalized email out to the person that you interviewed. And then the next step is that you want to use now enters social media. So you've shared to emails from your subscribers and then also the person that was featured. The next step is actually sharing it out to social media. And so using a tool like Sprout Social or lately, you've probably heard me mention a few times on this show, even a tool like Buffer um, for some of the old school content marketers, if you're still using Hootsuite, um, tools like that, that you can then take your content that you have in your little isolated folders and you can upload all of this content with all of the different quotes and different images and things like that. You can upload them to your social media platform of choice, depending on the topic, depending on where on the audience that you're trying to reach. Maybe it's just LinkedIn. Maybe it's just Instagram. Maybe it's just Twitter or maybe it's all three combined. But using a tool like that will or like Sprout Social, like Lately, Buffer, Hootsuite, all of these different programs will help you to not only just upload the content, but then help you to share it again in the future. Now, one caveat I do want to mention is that you want to change it up. You want to change up your posts 
for whatever platform you're sending it to. So your messaging to Twitter is going to be completely different than your messaging on LinkedIn and vice versa. And then also from LinkedIn to Instagram, there's all different kinds of nuances to each different platform, which is why I also suggest to start with one or two social media platforms so you don't overwhelm yourself. But those tools that I mentioned earlier, the Hootsuite, the um, the Buffer, and the Lately, all of those tools can help you publish everywhere. But I would caution against just doing a spray and pray method and actually customizing the message for each social media platform because then it will it will go a lot further if you're using the same verbiage, if you're using the same nuances for each of those different platforms. And then from that step, after you published it out, you maybe scheduled out. If you have 15 to 20 short form video clips, then that's 15 to 20 social media posts. That's different captions that you have to create for each of those different posts as well. So knowing that you're phrasing all of these different clips and these different captions differently for each platform, then you can go back through and you can monitor while the schedule is being published out, you can monitor Who's commenting? What are they commenting? Are they asking any questions? Are they sharing it with their audience? And if they're sharing it, what are they saying as they share it? So you want to pay attention to all of these things and also monitor all of those different things within each social media platform. This is easy to do if you just have a spreadsheet, then that way you can keep a list of, you know, this is the blog article link. Here's a link to the Dropbox. And then here's where we published it out. And then also you can have a, a running list of questions and answers and comments that you got for each one of those different posts, because then that will help you make tweaks for the final step. And then number six step is repurpose what has been working and what resonated. If it got a lot of comments, if it maybe got one really good comment, um, you want to keep a tally of those. So then that way each quarter, not really monthly, because I don't think that monthly is enough to get the full grasp of how that content has performed, I would suggest quarterly. It's going to be less overwhelming for you, and it's going to be a situation where it's much more manageable to just check it out as far as the comments and the engagement on an ongoing basis. And then at the end of the quarter, then you can take and, and you can analyze from sort of an eagle eye view of what performed well, why you think it performed well, and then you can just repurpose. Those tools that I mentioned that help you with content distribution, they make it pretty easy to sort of find out which content is performing well and which ones aren't. And then a lot of times using those tools, they will allow you to add it in what's called an evergreen campaign, where that message is constantly shared with just a click of a button over months and weeks and sometimes years depending on the type of content that you're creating, that content could, could be good and could be shareable for a couple years from that moment. So as long as you have it already loaded up into the system that you're using, then it makes it super easy to add it into the mix of, of, your, of having a regular content schedule that's being published with little work on your end. Besides the initial sort of half day that you're going to spend scheduling this content out, then it goes into the phase of your monitoring of what's working, why isn't it working, can I rephrase the stuff that's not working in order to find a way to make it work, and then let's just keep repurposing that content that is working really well. That's the modern distribution playbook for freight companies. And I say, to, I say this because it's a rinse and repeat process. Now, you might be saying to yourself, that sounds like a lot of work, and it is kind of a lot of work, but once you a lot of this on autopilot, that a lot of this does the heavy lifting for you. It works 
as far as networking and sales and marketing on overdrive. It works while you're sleeping. It works while you're working on other projects or taking care of other customers. And that way you don't have to worry about waking up in the morning and saying, gosh, I haven't posted anything to LinkedIn or to uh, Twitter or to Instagram. I haven't posted there in so long. I don't even know what to post. And then you get frustrated and then it just gets ignored. It gets put on the back burner. But by using this method, then you can keep content as a machine that's just sort of running in the background that you check periodically, maybe once a day, maybe on your lunch break while you're waiting in line at the grocery store or something like that, then you can check that from a periodic standpoint. And then you can keep that just sort of top of mind of what's working and what isn't working. Because you're probably saying to yourself, I don't want to seem too spammy. I don't want to seem too promotional. But the reality is, and this quote comes from one of my favorite creators to follow on LinkedIn. Justin Welsh, if you don't follow him, make sure you go and like follow him right now because he's dropping gems every single day. But he says the truth is, is that no one, no one remembers your content the way that you remember your content. So if you feel like you're being too promotional, too spammy, the reality is, is that not everybody is online all the time and they're not going to see your post and maybe they see it and they got distracted and it, it left them without a chance to comment on it or to share it with a friend or to really digest it and, and read and watch the content that you're sharing. So you want to give your audience multiple chances to view that content in a slightly different lens which is where all of the different video clips and the quotes and the imagery all comes into play. But then you have that one central blog post where all of it, all of that information is gathered so they can bookmark it, they can share it with a friend, they can share it on a company Slack channel, all of that good stuff. Because if you follow this distribution plan, it's a lot of the same plan that I use for my own content. I'm, I'm setting it up you know, on a Sunday morning where I am just loading up my lately planner with all of the different content that I've created and what I want to sort of focus on for the next month or so. And then that way it's running on autopilot. So for example, like a day like today where I'm feeling a little under the weather, I've got tissues by the bed I got, or by, yeah, by the bed too. You can see where my brain fog is at right now, but I got tissues on the desk. I've got uh, medicine. I've got all the things right here. I do not want to create social media posts today. I have a show to host and I wouldn't be able to to host this show without a bunch of meds and knowing that the content is on autopilot so I don't have to think about it. It's one less thing that I have to think about. So it's a lot of really good just sort of insight from you know being in the trenches and knowing what works and what doesn't work. But speaking of all of that, I've kind of gone a little too long on this entire content marketing plan. So from that lens, just know that you can just watch a lot of this on replay and take notes and be ordered in order to master your own content distribution plan. So let's move into our first guest because speaking of content, our first guest is no stranger to the craft. Let's welcome in Haley Fazio, which is also her birthday. So first of all, happy birthday, Haley. Haley, and welcome Thank to the you. show. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, it's crazy being back in the Freight Waves office, seeing it as the studio. It's uh, it's different. It's Dirty 30 and, and for me, so I'm excited. Oh, no 30 way. Birthday. So happy. Welcome to your 30s. I feel like your 30s are like some of the best moments of your life. So welcome to the club. 29, I feel like it's just such an awful year because you just want to get to 30. But once you get to 30, it's here. I feel like Thank you well, for well, having me. Give us a little me. bit of a absolutely. Give us a little bit of background on on who Haley is and how you found yourself working at Freight Waves. Okay, how much time do we have? Um, <laughs> so um, straight out of college, I was lucky enough to kind of honestly fall into a position with 
a world-renowned gemologist here local in Chattanooga named Carly Boehm. Um, and with that, I saw a lot of shipments, you know, from Dubai, all these cool places with these gemstones that I had never seen in my life and transporting them. And I was really fascinated by kind of the operations behind all of that. Um, she moved on to, to own a local gallery here in Chattanooga. And I had some friends still in the freight world at Coyote Logistics. And they're like, you should just come try, try it out. So I ended up at Coyote after that, um, doing carrier sales, customer sales, um, and I really loved the energy of it. Um, I loved being able to see what was in the trucks, on the loads that were built out, and uh, all the different places that it was going. So from there, Freight Waves came into town, and I was like, what is this Freight Waves? Like, this is interesting. I've never, you know, I've never seen anything like this before. Um, you know, it's freight, it's media, it's, it's, it's TV, it's podcasts, like what's going on here? And it really interested me because I always have had a creative side to me. So, um, I, you know, I ended up at Freight Waves. Um, I started on the Sonar team here, telling a story through data, tender rejections. And um, from then I moved over to the event side, um, just because it's a little bit more creative in my style. Um, and it's I guess it's my third year here now. Um, so that's how I wound up at Freight Waves, but uh, I love I, it. I, that, so you've been around since from the first like live events and then moving into virtual because I still like clearly to this day remember that first live event that was moved to virtual. Can you give us a little bit of like the behind the scenes of what you had to do to make that happen? Because I imagine it's no easy feat to, to transition from a live event to virtual. Yeah, so actually it's funny, the like second week that I started, we were in Chicago. So I, I was at that in-person event, but it was such a whirlwind because there's so much energy at the Freight Waves events. I was like, what is going on? This is crazy. It was, it was such a good time. Um, but yeah, tr you know, here's the thing about virtual and in-person. Um, obviously, we didn't plan for it, but Freight Waves was equipped for it. You know, we have the studio, we have the cameras, we have the production crew. We have the creative teams that are just awesome. So I wouldn't say it was an easy pivot um, by any means, you know, um, but you know, there's really like no playbook for going virtual. Um, but we tweaked things along the way. Um, you know, our first one we tried out and, you know, we thought, do we need avatars? Do we need rooms? Do we need all the, you know, there was all these different things that we were coming up with, but Really, in the end, we ended up having this beautiful format that's simple, easy to network. Um, and we found with these virtual events, it's very easy to, to, to network and to connect with each other broadly. But we're also seeing that like champion level you know, sales and above, VP, director, all the way up to C-suite level attending these. So it's, you know, there's definitely positives to you know, and I don't even like to call them virtual events. I call them virtual broadcasts um, mm. because it's more like you're watching like a TV show. And I think Freight Waves has done a really good job at, uh, at creating that experience. So the blueprint, I would say, is def definitely different then than it is now. Um, but, you know, with each event, we learn something new and we add, we take away and there's always new and fun experiences. So... And, and then you have the the challenge now of planning the the first in-person event in, in over two years for Freight Waves. Can you give us a little bit of background on everything that's gone into how you're planning for this event? It's coming up in May. 
Yeah, so it is. It's in Rogers um, in May. And I can't take all of the credit for the planning. Jen Wiggins is a godsend. She does the majority of our planning. Dale Stewart, the creative team, the production, the TV team. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an entire Freight Waves ecosystem effort to plan for these events. But, you know, with COVID, it's been a little bit different coming back and planning these things, you know, the, the cost of getting things here, you know, as everyone knows what's going on with the global supply chain. Um, it's, it's been different, but I think the biggest element of going back to in-person that we have really done well with is communication internally, mm -hmm. externally with our partners, with our sponsors, and really listening to what they need and communicating back and forth on how we can make this event, you know, the best one that we've had yet. And so from planning the live event to also, I mean, the virtual events are, are not stopping either. I think last time I checked, it's about one every month. How do you approach planning the live event versus a virtual event? Is it kind of the same strategy or, or what are the differences, I guess, between the two? Yeah, so obviously with the in-person events, it you have to start planning a lot earlier in advance because you have to do hotels, you have to do travel, you have to do lockdown convention centers. And, um, you know, that that's one of the good things also about the Freight Waves events in person is, you know, we do everything for you. We've got that production team that sets up the exhibits. Um, you know, we've we've paired up with the same production team that does the Super Bowl. So it's, it's awesome for in-person events. But for our virtual events, what we've done is originally we started out trying different ones around different topics that are niche focused, whether it be like yesterday, for example, the Enterprise Fleet Summit um, was focused on Enterprise Fleets, the technology used within that. We had some thought leadership demos. It's, it's a lot lighter lifting to execute, I would say, on the virtual mm -hmm. side, but it opens up the door for participation um, from different companies, whether it be a startup or, you know, an, an old school company. Um, it's really how they want to tell their story. It's, it's easy lifting to do with the production team um, and, the, and the creative team with the virtual. Um, so I would say we've got it almost down to a science as far as planning goes, but um, the, the entire events team works very hard to communicate internally on, uh, you know, our next our next goals for Q3, Q4, what, what worked, what didn't work. Um, so we've now kind of established those flagship virtual events. That's a cool, because I, I, I imagine that you're tweaking, you're making minor tweaks after every event, no matter if it's live or virtual. And, and one thing I think that FreightWaves does better than anybody else is they help companies craft their story. So they help them from the lens of, okay, if I'm going to demo online, how do I make sure that this demo is, is actually worth the watch for the people that are either watching in person or, or watching virtually? But I think it's also fair to say that for a lot of these companies, it's very difficult. It's very challenging to get them to talk about their story. How do you sort of drag that good story out of them? How do you help them tell their story? Yeah, so, I mean, through sales, honestly, I've learned this, is I've just asked more questions and not talked as much. Uh, listening is very important, I think. Um, you know, listening to their story and then figuring out how we want to paint that picture for them. So 
the way I see Freight Waves is a giant stage. Um, you know, we give you that platform with events, with media, whether it be, you know, a podcast, a TV show, a white paper, an article. You know, there's so many different options and every company is unique, right? So everyone's going to want to tell their story differently. Some people really want the logo presence. Some people really want to showcase their technology. So it's just, you know, talking with our sponsors or talking with our partners on the vision that they have and then going back to my team and the media team and, and you know, talking about that and how we can create that for them. Now, now, speaking of specifics, because for folks who are watching on FreightWaves TV, we've noticed the graphic that's in the background for the future of supply chain. So you guys have this event coming up. It's the first live event. And like I said, in, in more than two years, I'm sure you've been asked this a few times, but why Rogers, Arkansas? Yeah, I would say that's probably the number one question I get on these on these calls when I'm talking to attendees or sponsors, whatever it may be. But if you really think about it, you know, everything going on in the global supply chain, which this is the future of the supply chain, a lot of it is taking place in the backyard of Rogers, Arkansas. You know, you've got the big retailers, the big shippers, the big um, carriers, you know, um, not to mention it's a very beautiful place, but, you know, you've got the JB Hunts, you've got the Walmarts, Arkbest, Tyson. It's a good variety of kind of what we're experiencing right now with the global supply chain and having it in the backyard, I feel like gives us the chance to really expose the technology that we're using today um, and really step into kind of a new-ish sector of, of, of FreightWaves audience, whether it be, you know, like drones or what we're using in warehousing or, you know, anything of the sort that we're using in the global supply chain, technology-wise or thought-wise, um, I think is is one of the big reasons that we decided to have it here. Um, yeah. And I, I think just looking at that graphic too, like those are some some of the biggest companies in the entire world. So it, it, it I never knew until FreightWaves, you know, announced that they were having this conference there and seeing some of these companies that are there, ArcBest, Tyson, Walmart, JB Hunt, of course, all of these companies, I I would just, I, I don't know why I, I didn't imagine that their headquarters would be there, or that their offices would be there. But if all of these companies are sort of, you know, contingent on or, or, in these locations, I think that that's fascinating in order to be able to showcase all of those different components of the supply chain right there within one just general region. And, and switching gears a little bit to another location, Chattanooga, that's where FreightWaves is headquartered. And that's where we were supposed to have the, the freight, Future of Freight Festival, I believe it was last November, and that one was moved to a virtual experience. But are you guys moving back to a live virtual or a live event in Chattanooga anywhere, anytime in the future? I'm hoping it's this year. Yes. So we are doing F3 November 1st through the 3rd. Uh, we're very awesome. excited. We were bummed that we had to push it virtual, but, you know, we just wanted to look out for everyone um, so yeah, uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga is set up. Um, obviously, it was set up for freight waves this way, but um, the city is set up so it's really easy to get around to the, the restaurants, the bars, and we wanted to do more of like a festival, like South by Southwest type feel of an experience. You know, Chattanooga is the Silicon Valley of freight now, the the hub of three PLs. It's Freight Alley. I mean, you walk out the door, you've got you know, six or seven different 3PLs right outside of the FreightWaves headquarters. So 
Um, we wanted to bring a little bit more spice into the experiences that we can host, whether it be, you know, axe throwing or a rooftop party or oh, you know, whatever cool. you guys, whatever the sponsors or the, the partners dream of, we can make it happen. So um, it's a little bit more freight focused, whereas Arkansas, we're, we're a little bit more supply chain focused, if, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. Yeah, definitely. Because I was wondering if it, those two events would be kind of the same, but it definitely makes a lot of sense that one is more freight focused and one is more supply chain focused. All right, Haley, finally, final question. Where can folks follow and register for some of these rad events that are coming up? Follow you on social media, all that good stuff. Yeah, so you just go to live.freightwaves.com and it'll have the schedule. You can um, register the virtual events are free and open to the public, so mark them on your calendar, come check them out, network. Um, the in-person events, same place. You can register to attend, you can enter to sponsor, um, you can email myself, um, me, Haley Fazio, or H. Fazio at Freight Waves, or Dale Stewart, D. Stewart at Freight Waves, um, if you're interested in getting involved. Um, but we would love to have everyone come out and join us. It's gonna be a really fun time in Arkansas. We're really, really excited to showcase some of this technology and have really great content, keynote speakers, um, and same thing for Chattanooga. So we look forward to it. Heck yeah, and if you if you wanna just even dabble in a little bit of the virtual events, it's Haley's birthday, go register for at least a virtual <laughs> event and then right. see if you can make it happen for the live and in-person conferences. Well, Haley, thank you so much for your time and you. uh, we'll link to all of those things in the show notes. So thank you again and happy birthday again. Thank you. Go have fun. <laughs> all right, awesome. Well, well, from one woman in freight, we're gonna go to another woman in freight and let's welcome in our next guest, Jennifer Carpus romaine She's the executive director for the Transportation Marketing and Sales Association. She has been tasked with sort of the impossible, I guess task is the, the, the way to put it, of, of bringing nearly a century year old association into the modern age. So let's go ahead and welcome in Jennifer to the show so we can get the lowdown on what the TMA, TMSA is all about. Now, for folks, th thank you for, for joining, Jennifer. And for folks who don't know about what the TMSA is, before we get into your career background, can you give us a little bit mm -hmm. of uh, sort of the, the TLDR on, on what the TMSA is? Sure. So we are the Transportation Marketing and Sales Association. And it's kind of right there in the name. I always laugh kind of talking about it, but we're really dedicated to being that educational and networking resource for the people that are in marketing and sales positions within transportation, logistics, and the supply chain. And we do that by having events. We have networking opportunities. We have virtual networking. And um, like you said, we're in the process of kind of rebuilding and modernizing. And so a lot more opportunities to come for all of that as well. Now, now, how did you find yourself working for the for the TMSA? Because you, you're you're the new executive director. G give us a little bit of a background on on how you came to to work in freight and and be the executive director for the TMSA. 
Sure. So I was actually what we call an affiliate member. So the way our membership kind of works is we have the more traditional members. So that 3PL, the trucking companies, and then we have an affiliate member who are the people selling into the industry. So technology providers, marketing companies, sales trainers, all those types of great partners that are so valuable to our members. And I worked at a technology company and I started with TMSA in 2017 in that role. And I just fell in love with everything that TMSA stood for. And I just kept getting more and more involved. So I started at um, in the education committee and then I took over the marketing committee in early 2021 and I joined the board. And then we kind of knew that the previous management company was ready to kind of edge closer to retirement, ready to let the association go. And I didn't really see that as like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be the next leader. But I, um, the more involved in that process and the more I really thought about the association and what it can be and its potential for where it could go, I just really wanted to take that on. And I care so much about the association itself and the people and the members that are involved in it. I um, kind of heard the call to take it on. Now you have been on for just, I think like since November is when you started as the executive director, but since then you have done some major changes to <laughs> the entire just ecosystem. And I sit back and I wonder like, how does she do all of this? Because you're, you're in charge of, you know, website redesign and all of the, the different components that, that go into a website redesign, especially for the TMSA who has so much content to work with. Do you have a favorite revamp or a favorite new initiative that, that you've worked out for the TMSA? So I think my favorite thing has really been sitting down and talking with members, both affiliate, regular members, people who left the association to learn why they may have left, um, oh, wow. especially taking this on after COVID. So many people got hit, um, but we are mm. a trade nonprofit. So our, our whole mission is to help people in this industry and in this space and really thinking through the strategy on how to help people in this space and in these roles is really important. And um, part of that is people can understand sales and they can understand marketing but where do they go to learn more about the industry if they're brand new here? Or if so many companies only have one or two people in that marketing space and same with the sales team, smaller, no matter kind of how big they get. So where are they going? Where are they going to network and to bounce ideas off each other and to brainstorm? And so it's kind of finding the way to take all of that and how strong that's been in our in-person events. So we have an annual conference this year. It's going to be June 5th through 7th at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. And that's been a really big event for TMSA. But how do we add to that programming? How do we turn some of those things that work so well in person into virtual components? How do we really be this 24-7 resource for our members to network and engage? And so I think it's a really long-winded answer to your question because it's all-encompassing, mm -hmm. but really just finding that strategy and that um, 
way to take the very best of what TMSA was and really push it into the future. Um, We have been around in some capacity since 1924. It's gone through a lot of different, (laughs) it's so crazy. Um, And you, it's gone through, it started in rail and kind of transitioned in a bunch of different names throughout the years, but this, the purpose is still there um, as it was almost a hundred years ago, but how do we make that, um, into now and continuing into the future. Yeah, because I, I think that that was one of the bigger selling points for me is that you're able to have a network now of people to bounce ideas off of. And I, I'm a big believer in community over competition. Uh, but how do I, I maybe some of the old school people, do they are, are they a little nervous about sharing some of that insight or, or does it really sort of foster an environment where you don't have to feel nervous about sharing that kind of insight? Like here, we're, we're here to help you and help each other grow. Is that what sort of the, the mindset is? Absolutely. That's really what made me fall in love with TMSA mm-hmm. on onset is because I've never met a group of people that come together, whether they're competitors or not. And no one's sharing trade secrets or anything like that, but they're really being open, open and honest about some of the struggles and how to overcome. It's not a secret that a lot of marketing professionals are working on recruiting right now. That's something that's going on across the board. Retention is such a huge issue. How do we deal with, if we have um, a lack of capacity in one area of our business, how do we still market other parts of our business? Um, What's the strategy and the plan to do that? And it's just a, it's a community is really what it is. It's a community coming together and working through some of those pain points and you make friends for life. And it's really great when you can have those conversations and then you take some of that offline and have those one-on-ones with people who are in similar positions of, um, of you. And I really like how it kind of started as more of a marketing association and we've brought in sales and it's something that we're continuing to bring more and more salespeople in. And I think it's so beneficial for marketing and sales to come together in a real honest way and have conversations around how to be better aligned. Some of my favorite people I've met inside TMSA, even though I came from a more marketing background, are the salespeople because as marketers, we should understand the sales process and how we can create lateral that's actually going to be beneficial for them in their process. And as and as salespeople, it's important to give that feedback to marketing, but do it in a way that's going to make sense for them and um, everybody to kind of come together and align those initiatives. And so I think it's just really important to have conversations with both people who are in similar roles as you, but also the people that are kind of on the other side as well. Absolutely. Amen to that. Sales, stop beating up marketing. We're just here to help you. So that's my little, I guess, rift between marketing and sales. Um, But you mentioned earlier about the conference being in uh, Orlando, Florida. It's at the Gaylord, which is just a gorgeous resort. I've I've only I've stayed there once in my life, and so as soon as I saw that you guys were uh, having the conference there, it was an instant sign up for me. Now, what can folks sort of? Why did you pick this location? And then what can folks expect if they're planning on or they're looking at registering? So I picked this location because I feel like now more than ever, our life, our work life and our home life, professional and personal are merged more than ever. So why not flip that on its head and use that for work too? So if you, a lot of people 
their kids are out of school, why not come to Orlando and get some work in and then also maybe run to Universal or Disney if you wanted to. I know that's certainly kind of our plan. <laughs> this water slide Mine here, <laughs> I will tell you, I have a five-year-old son and he saw that water slide and he's like, mom, that's the place that you should have this thing. He doesn't even know it's Aww. a conference, but, uh, but he, so the Gaylord laughs and says that my son helped pick, but not really. Um, but there's just, I love that you can feel in outside, even when you're inside mm-hmm. coming from such a big time period where we were stuck inside. I live in the Cleveland, Ohio area where it's still dreary out. I just want us to all kind of get back in the sunshine and fun. And we have a lot of great programming. Our theme this year is level up because I think that's what we're all trying to do. We've identified more pain points and where some of the sticking points in our process is and how can we better that. And now that all eyes are on the supply chain and what we're doing, what are we doing to up our game and really be there the best way that we can? So we have keynote speakers that really hit on things that are relevant to both sales and marketing, as well as really awesome breakouts for both of those sides of the business. We have great networking events. I'm so excited. Our opening cocktail reception is right in this fort in the middle of the Gaylord. And that's kind of as soon as I walked in there, I was like, yes, that's going to be where our reception is. We always open the show with a speed networking event, which is really um, kind of like speed dating, but for business where you can talk to people face-to-face for two minutes at a time and you get a feel for um, who is in a similar role as you, or maybe there is some type of technology or partnership that you were looking for. And it's all kind of right in front of you to set the right tone for you as you go into the conference. And so with this too, you guys also have a program that is for the TMSA Trailblazer Awards. And this is Mm -hmm. open, not to just members, but it's open to the public. And what I love about it is that you're highlighting the folks who are working hard on those marketing and those sales campaigns for their organization. So can you tell folks of, you know, this, I guess, sort of the importance of this program and then also where they can register and submit, you know, a nomination for their own company? Absolutely. So previously TMSA had a different awards program and it highlighted the best of the best in marketing and sales in terms of campaigns or promotions. And that is still a piece of the Trailblazers Awards. Um, We still want people to turn in those best of the best examples of their marketing and sales, but we really wanted to take it a step further. So with our trailblazers, you also have the marketing mover of the year. That would be a top marketing executive and same with sales, sales mountain mover of the year. Um, We also have a rising stars category, which I think is incredibly important when we talk about um, retention and how challenging that is. Well, having something where we can recognize those people who are just doing awesome work in in the field and they're new. They've only been here for one to three years, but they're really opening our department's eyes on how we can do things and how we can better our process. So that was so important to me to not just recognize the work, but the people behind the brand. And then as another piece of that, we are a trade nonprofit. And it was really important to me to start doing a little bit more nonprofit-esque things in our association. So 
we've also launched the TMSA Purpose Awards, which recognizes what companies are doing to give back to the community. This industry is just phenomenal in the work that they do to support their communities and the people in their space. And that is absolutely something that we want to highlight and recognize. So our award program um, deadlines, we're going to be tomorrow, but we decided to push it out for another week um, to give people a little bit more time. So it'll be due April, Friday, April 22nd. And you can get information about our awards program as well as our um, annual conference at events.tmsatoday.org. And there, I love um, that the you, award you just has did... like a top thing. Perfect, because we only got a few seconds left, but you hit it on the on the last <laughs> one on where folks can register for the awards and where they can register for the conference. So thank you so much, Jennifer. Love all of the work and the initiatives that that you're taking on. So appreciate your time today, and uh, folks, your show notes linked in the show notes of where you can register, become a member, register for the conference, all that good stuff. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Blythe. Absolutely. Well, we had a, a jam-packed show. I made it through. Not that anybody else cares, but this was my flu game as far as that's concerned, you know, hosting a show while you're sick. So I hope that you guys tune in to future episodes of Cyberly. Check out tv.freightwaves.com. We'll be right back here every single Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you again and have a good weekend.